When I'm on my It's better smile If you feel your time Has been wasted Towners, what a hot weekend we have coming up, uh, and not just from the standpoint of weather. Um, we've got we've got it going on. We've got um, you know, fantastic white linen night uh, on uh, Julia Street and the area around it, the Contemporary Arts Center in Ogden, and just a lot of of um, celebrate celebratory art events, and uh, all the galleries open. Um, we've got um, a fantastic symposium at the Historic New Orleans Collection with, um, you know, just the whole thing about the uh, aesthetic and culture of, of the Spanish influence in the South. Um, and then Sashmo, my goodness, festival at the Jazz Museum of the French Quarter. So you know what? I've got somebody from each one of those to uh, tell us what they got going on. I am uh, thrilled to be on the phone with a woman who has um, a wonderful responsibility for the um, Arts District of New Orleans. Leslie Claire Spillman, is how you pronounce it, right? Uh, yes. Heads up this unit, which interestingly evolved. Uh, you may not even know this history, I don't know, Leslie, but from a single event when, when the very first joint arts event in the fall, Art for Art's Sake, was presented. It was in conjunction with an auction of artists work that the Contemporary Arts Center did to help raise funds. And in order to make it all work, uh, the idea was to do something that would benefit the artists and, and the dealers. And so they were all brought together to do this opening. And by the way, when that was done, um, there were no joint openings like that anywhere in the country we were really the first. Wow. And so, um, it's extraordinary and great that it's continued all these years. But the irony comes in um, the second development of an event, the uh, White Linen Night, which happens at the absolute hottest time of the year in a very hot and humid city. And people come out in droves. And if I'm not mistaken, the last I heard is more people come out for white linen night even than art for art's sake in the fall. Is that true? Oh, hands down, hands down. Uh, white linen night. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, and, and part of that is because white linen night has stayed, you know, obviously super concentrated to our little district and art for art's sake has sort of been adopted, um, you know, by other areas of the city as well, like Magazine Street and such. But, uh, oh, but that's yes. interesting. That didn't occur to me, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, White Linen Night has just grown exponentially uh, year after year after year after year. And it's now, I mean, I'm hoping at least um, that we, have, we will be returning to the original scale. The last time we had this event was in 2019. So this will be the first post-COVID. White Linen Night. We tried, as some might remember, we tried last year um, and had to cancel it because of a, a gnarly COVID surge. Uh, we had to cancel it just a few days out, which was the responsible but heartbreaking thing to do. So we're really hoping that this year goes off without a hitch. 
And thankfully, monkeypox hasn't completely taken over yet. <laughs> Not here yet. I don't think. I don't know, but I'm scared of oh, it. Oh, oh no, it's here. It's here in the city. It's but here, it's, but it's not at the level. Pervasive. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm scared of it though. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this year's White Litter Night. I mean, um, I, I think one of the things that I've always been concerned about is uh, seeing how these big events in the arts districts. Um, not just uh, on Julia Street, but um, the, you know, the second weekend that happens uh, in the St. Claude area and uh, in the other one in the French Quarter, all of these are done for the purposes of promoting um, the, the sale of art and in the bottom line. And, and that in a way is the hardest thing to achieve in these events. I think without a doubt, getting people out in an arts district to see art and party in and of itself is important because that exposure can long-term affect the collection of work. But in the short term, it's kind of hard to, to tra translate it, right? No, you, that's an understatement. I mean, I think any you ask any gallery uh, operating in the arts district about whether or not they anticipate to make a lot of sales on White Linen Night, and the answer will be no. Um, it, as uh, as you're you're explaining, I mean, it's really not. I think we while we do want the focus, of course, to be on art and people enjoying art and seeing art, and certainly the galleries and museums still view White Linen Night as sort of like the premier spot, right, for highlighting an artist all year. It's definitely the biggest event, but with the crowds, um, you know, and, and really galleries having to really focus on crowd control, it's difficult to sort of get sales and, and, and sort of close them in that evening. Although usually what happens is people follow up, like you just said, you know, it's great for generating leads, maybe not necessarily for making actual sales, although some people do sell. I, I think it has to um, also, uh, um, again, as you said, and, and as I suspect that while it may not drive sales on that particular day, um, you, you walk into a gallery, you see something that is intriguing and you don't stop thinking about it. You know, if, yeah. if you ever collect it all, if you, if you buy art, um, it's on your mind and yeah, at some point, that's how you know. hopefully that turns into a sale, right? But um, also, the, I, I also think just generally speaking, highlighting the neighborhood is really important. Um, so I think that um, telling the story about the arts district, which is part of the event as well, um, ha has the effect of reminding the city that there is a um, generalized economic impact of the arts. So Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, that's obviously that's the mission of ADNO, right? That's the mission of our organization is to find ways and present programming that lets not just visitors to the city know what a unique thing we have going on, you know, downtown, but also people in New Orleans. Um, you know, we lots of times I've worked, I've worked on Julia Street or adjacent for almost 20 years. And I can't tell you how many times we've had visitors come in the gallery, local and, and out of town and say things like, wow, I had no idea this was here. All these galleries, all these institutions so densely packed. Um, so that is always kind of the forefront of our mission is to let people know either what's going on in their backyard or what New Orleans has to offer in terms of an arts destination. But also, you know, ADNO is a member, is a member organization. In addition to the galleries and institutions that we have as members, we also have a bunch of businesses in the area, hotels, restaurants, bars, things like that, services. And truly, I mean, you, you really, it's hard to even calculate the economic impact of an event like this on those businesses as well, uh, because we know that our friends, especially the hotels and restaurants and bars do extremely well on that night too. You have to with somewhere between 20 to 30,000 people coming downtown <laughs> in a five hour period, um, you know, it's, it's really an, a cash injection, frankly, uh, for the businesses here. Um, and so I'm really, really excited for them as well for that. 
So I want to explore that a little bit further in terms of the impact of that on the character of the entire central business district. But before we do that, um, I just want to, we didn't really mention yet in, in our uh, conversation that White Linen Night is this coming Saturday night. It's upon so us, yes. <laughs> Uh, nail the timing and and um, sure. place on this. So go ahead. Yeah, sure. So White Linen Night is is one of a number of events that we produce um, in conjunction with our first Saturday gallery openings as a district, which we do monthly. And so White Linen Night is certainly the biggest one, and it's always the first Saturday in August, which is this Saturday, the sixth. It's going to be a nice long event from five to ten p.m. So if you're worried about the crowds, I definitely suggest come out early. Be there yeah. right at five, um, which is also and then cool. go to dinner someplace. Right? And then go to dinner, or we also have, you know, we're, we're going to have a bunch of really great food trucks um, that are in the area. Uh, so it'll be a really fun opportunity to kind of sample some local cuisine and support them. Um, but yeah, so five to ten p.m. and then we're activating. We're the block party element is three to six hundred block. So 300 blocks starts basically with Lemieux Gallery all the way down to the 600 block. I believe the last gallery there is M Contemporary and we'll be activating all of that space. But then addition, additionally, we have these wonderful galleries and institutions that are also right off the beaten path, a very short walk, another great way to sort of escape the crowds if you feel like you need to. Um, there are 20 plus institutions um, and venues participating this year. So if folks wanna make sure that they hit all the places that they want to, it would be a good idea to look at artsdistrictneworleans.com, familiarize yourself with the offerings of all these great galleries and institutions and come up with a game plan. To um, a, a little path, a little flight path. A little flight path, yeah. yeah. And um, I would also uh, say that, I mean, it's, it's so much fun to see everybody in their whites, right? It, it's, just, it's, it's something that used to be a custom in the South and anywhere really in hot sure. weather and it's, it's, it's fallen off, but um, it, it's fun to see that come back for a, a, a night. And uh, on the other hand, I would certainly recommend people not wear jackets um, no. And try to. Um, I have a, a breathable. <laughs> one top that's really cool. That's that has you know eyelet all over the shoulders. There you go. Uh, that I've had for like twenty years, and I still primarily wear when it gets hot. And something like that um, that has a or 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 it's made out of a thinner fabric and so on are, are the key things because it's still going to be hot um, this weekend. Yes. I mean, it will be super hot. Um, you know, we're working with event planners this year. And one of one of the main goals is to make sure that we address that. I mean, it's still the bulk of, of the activations are outside, right? So it's still going to be, you're still going to be out with the heat. However, we are gonna have three cool down zones. We have a bunch of misters. Um, we have lots of libations. We're planning on lots of shade. So it definitely won't be a bunch of folks baking in the sun. That's for sure. And a good bit of the event will take place in the evening. So hopefully, you know, we've had a, with all these rainy days, we've had some nice evenings. So maybe we'll get lucky. Yeah, it really, uh, uh, yeah we get that rain uh, up until around four o'clock, it seems like. I know, and I think that's gonna make setup really irritating. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm just hoping we, we get at least an hour to get all those things up because it's a lot of elements to put in place. But I think the, the forecast so far is that same sort of rain during the day, but the actual event will be dry. So let's hope. A few years ago, it was a deluge. I don't know if you remember that, but it was awful. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting about that deluge, um, I have to say, if you remember, I don't have my sequence here perfect, but I know that... Um, the when when Bob Tan and my husband did that lifeboat on, on Julia Street, um, which was a warning about ocean rise and climate change in general, not on Julia Street, but I think it was only a couple of weeks later that there was that flood that I, I remember sitting in the um, the hotel, uh, Blake Jones's hotel, forget the name of the hotel, right at the corner of of St. Charles and uh, Poydras watching the rain outside. I was having a breakfast meeting with, actually it was um, with Ray Manning and I'm looking out the window and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of seeing the cars 
going through and, and, and the water kind of coming up their tires. And I'm saying, what? I'm on St. Paul's Avenue, for goodness sake. And sure yeah. enough, Julia Street had some serious flooding. And I'm saying, oh, yeah. we have to tell Tannen to stop doing these prescient works of art. Because just before Katrina, he, we had that little hurricane called Cindy in July. And when Tannen makes those big um, sheet metal shotgun houses that he does, um, they have to be tethered in a storm because they're mm. lightweight, so they would fly around. So we always tether them. At the end of Cindy, he said, you know, the big one's coming. I'm just going to smash these up, which he did. And that was 05, July. What comes in August, 05? Of course. Um, you know, you, you, you may um, you may be glad you didn't get his refrigerator out on the <laughs> street that he wanted to put out there for this year, because um, yeah, he has a way of um, of conjuring. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Some kind of but let's talk about the effect of the arts district per se on the whole central business district, because I think that it's really the arts district that gives our CBD character. Oh, absolutely. Being just yet another downtown area. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, if you're a tourist and you're going to stay, you know, downtown, you might expect to find an odd restaurant, a bar, something like that. I think it's always a really pleasant surprise for people who come and visit and stay in the area that there is a lot more going on than just like the French Quarter, uh, you know, a few steps away it's a really pleasant surprise to find out that I think there's really nowhere quite like, to your point earlier, there's really nowhere quite like the arts district, the, the density, the concentration of galleries and institutions, um, really the combination of those two things. You have areas in the country where they have, you know, they might have a strip of galleries, but to have to have so many galleries and then also have institutions like the CAC and the Ogden that are all right here concentrated in one spot. It really makes our downtown totally unique in terms of the, the greater United States. And I have to say that um, an important partner for us in all of that from the very, very beginning is, of course, my husband and I were the founders along with a group of our friends of the Contemporary Arts Center. And um, at the time, um, we were looking for support for something that didn't exist. Right. And the downtown development district, at the time under the leadership of somebody named Tom Kakula, um, was an important partner. They contributed, they supported us from jump and they never stopped. They still- I have to tell you, they still are incredible. Um, you know, they do a really good job in promoting all of our events. Anytime we need to do anything where we're closing the street, we always know that we get sponsorship. They help us with things like trash pickup. I mean, for White Linen Night, we are absolutely the cost of, which is steep, the cost of permitting and closing the streets and you have to pay for all the parking meters and all that. That's all uh, subsidized by the Downtown Development District. And frequently, I think has been for this event for many years, but they also work with us for Jammin' on Julia as well. They're a huge support. Um, how do you see, um, well, before I go to the future, I want to talk about the future in a minute, but, um, is there anything in particular, uh, that's happening this Saturday that you want to focus on, uh, letting, making sure people know about? That's really tough <laughs> because like I said, we have over 20 venues that are showing artwork. I will give you some of my personal highlights. Um, really kind of thrilled that both the Contemporary Arts Center and the Ogden are going to be open not only for the entire event, so they'll all both be open until 10. They're both unveiling these huge sweeping open calls. Um, and so if you're a person who's interested, not just in art, but especially art artists in Louisiana, artists working in Louisiana and in the region, those are two places that you can't miss. Uh, the Ogden has Louisiana Contemporary, which is always a really interesting survey of artists living and working in Louisiana right now. And then the Contemporary Arts Center has this incredible um, Gulf South open call exhibition that is this year focused 
on environmental issues and concerns uh, called Remember Earth. And I was just looking over the artist list again, and a lot of friends of mine in that exhibit and some really incredibly talented people. So I think those two, um, in addition to being, being a way to kind of beat the heat and maybe get off Julia for a minute, I would definitely recommend those two. Certainly stop by my gallery. We're kind of the, we're the bridge between Julia Street and those institutions. We're right there neighbors uh, with the CAC. And we have a really great exhibition, a, a late Iranian artist named Artishir Mohassas. And it's um, being presented in conjunction with Loyola University. It's curated by Sarah Madendar, who's an incredible artist here. Um, and it's being presented with funding from some really incredible organizations like the Persian Heritage Foundation, because this is the first time this artist's work is being shown in the region. It's very prominent, very well-known late Iranian figurative artist and well-known in New York, which is where he, he uh, later lived in his life and, and passed. Uh, but the work has never before been shown in the region. So we're really excited about that. Um, additionally, let's see. There's an artist, uh, I thought this was interesting. Jonathan Ferrara Gallery is presenting a gentleman named Alexander Stolen. Um, he is a, originally from the Ukraine. So, um, and the work is a lot about sort of his identity um, as, as a Ukrainian artist and then also living in, in Louisiana from the Ukraine to, to Louisiana to the United States um, for like 30 years. Um, I hope I'm getting that right that he's in Louisiana. He's definitely been in the United States. But the work is all about identity um, and, and, and being an immigrant. Um, and it also just has a really unique look and surface quality. I, was, I had to stop by there uh, for a meeting and was really struck they were installing the work. I was really struck by how beautiful it was. Um, Octavia Gallery, which is another just off Julia Street Gallery on Magazine, has a really interesting show they're presenting for White Linen Night. Um, it's all about, I think it's called Digital Reality, and it's all about artists who are using technology in the work. So you think about sort of digital projections onto 2D surfaces, mm -hmm. NFTs, things like that. A very, very timely exhibit. I think that will be something that definitely stands out. Um, and let's see who else. Oh, Arthur has a really wonderful Louisiana artist named Troy Dugas, who is going to be um, showing a, a, a grouping of textile works. He does really incredible textile pieces. I was just looking at some preview imagery for that show. It promises to be pretty incredible. Um, and another favorite would be at um, Grider Gallery. They are presenting uh, work by very prominent local artists and personality, uh, Dapper Bruce Lafitte. And um, those works. Oh, be, Bruce, yeah. where, no, I'm so uh, glad to hear that he's alive and well and around. Oh, alive and well and prolific. Oh. And it looks like it, it's going to be a really incredible show. It's called The Bricks. And, um, and I know for because I follow their, Brighter has a really fun Instagram account and they've been posting the install, which is, um, which seems like a really ambitious install. And I know there's going to be a lot of actual bricks, but he's done, he's done a really site specific show for that space. So I think it's going to be pretty interesting. And he's always, his work is so fun and he's such a character, um, truly New Orleans. Well, truly New Orleans is um, inviting visitors to the city and residents to come out in the heat uh, on a weekend when not only is is julia street on fire but you so to speak but you also have the satchmo event that's happening oh, yeah. at the uh, jazz museum and this um spanish um antiques uh uh i guess you could call it a symposium that's at the historic new Orleans collection I personally am proud of Tannen's Jackson Square piece at the Historic New Orleans Collection also. So it's quite a, a, an anomaly uh, in a way for the South, I suspect. I don't know what other communities are crazy enough to do this, but it's crazy, crazy successful. I mean, that's the irony of it. So um, congratulations to you and thank you for keeping this going. This is an important tradition for our city now. and for not only the business district, for all of New Orleans. So keep me informed, Leslie, and things that are going on. And um, uh, 
we we're deeply appreciative of what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you, Jean. I appreciate you so much. I'll be out there, and I I don't get out for that much, but I will be out there. Well, please come stop by and see me. You have a place where you I can will. have a little AC and a rest. Thank you. All right. You, have Good a great. Hope it's a blast. And again, right. for everybody, this is White Linen Night on Julia Street. Yes, um, all the details. Lots every detail, everything. Yes, every Who's detail you could DJ? need. Yep, every there will be DJs, and every detail you could need about the event is going to be at www.artsdistrictneworleans.com. Perfect. Thank you very, very Thank much. Thank you, Jane. Have Bye. a good one. Bye. joined by Amanda McFillin, who she's responsible for a lot of the um, uh, presentations at the Historic New Orleans Collection, which is an institution that I don't think everybody in the city understands is a really robust and beautiful museum, in addition to being an archive where things and words, so to speak, about our city are treasured and kept alive and safe. Um, but it's the exhibitions that are spe spectacular and the talks, and in this case, we're gonna talk about a symposia that um, is happening uh, called, um, let's see, uh, Spanish South, do I have yes, it right? Yes, that's it, that's okay. it, the Spanish so, South. <laughs> and, and how many of these symposiums on, um, on antiques and the culture associated with them has the HNOC, the Historic New Orleans Collection done now? Let's see, we started this in 2008. So I guess this makes this our 14th year. Wow, wow, yeah. okay. Yes. Uh -huh. yeah. and, and so these are very popular, not just amongst people who are antiques collectors, but again, people who are just interested in the notion of the Spanish South. So I'm fascinated about it because I have so many kind of conflicting stories about mm. the, the role of the Spanish here, especially when it comes to the Canary Islanders. So I have mm. an art project in St. Bernard and so called Crevasse 22 River House that I do mm -hmm. in the property that Sydney Torres owns in Poitras. And so I'm, I'm kind of becoming a little bit, I wouldn't call it immersed, but familiar with the Islenos culture. Yes. And uh, I'm, I'm very confused about certain aspects of it because on the one hand, my understanding is that a lot of people settled the Canary Islands out of Spain to escape the Inquisition, but then mm -hmm. they're sponsored by the Spanish government to come here and colonize Louisiana to keep the British out. So I don't know, those two kind of, in some ways don't necessarily add up. <laughs> But, right, but, it's complicated, yes. Yeah, well, we'll duck that issue. I just couldn't resist mentioning it. But um, uh, essentially, the Spanish culture here is very dominant. And we always talk about the French Quarter and our French influence and the fleur de lis. But um, if I'm not mistaken, in a way, the Spanish cultural influence is almost or is greater than the French. Or how would you, you might not want to take a position on that, but it's very strong. Right now you've got my wheels turning trying to see how measure up but I do I think um, what I can say confidently is that the Spanish um, era in New Orleans um, has probably not been acknowledged um, for its contributions maybe as much as the French contribution because the French were the first ones to um, 
uh, established New Orleans as a city we know it today. And um, then you had the, uh, then you have the French Quarter. So we're kind of used to hearing a lot about the French and I think maybe not as much about the Spanish. And so that's part of what we wanna do this weekend for our decorative arts forum and also for our upcoming exhibit, Spanish New Orleans and the Caribbean. So those are kind of two programs that are uh, on the horizon that are linked together to kind of look at the influence of the Spanish on New Orleans during that particular time period. So let's let's kind of dive right into it. How would you, um, with your expertise and role, how would you characterize the Spanish aspect of the influence? And, and let me just say to you that I went to Panama on a project. <laughs> I was working with Frank Gehry to develop a museum there called the museum, I don't know how you say museum in Spanish, but the museum, uh, it's an ecological museum about that region. But um, so I spent some time there and the, what they call the Casca Viejo is almost identical to the so-called French Quarter or Vieux Carré in New Orleans. Absolutely. So I was like blown away and that yes. underscored the impression that one gets by just looking at the iron balconies in yes. the French Quarter, and, and they had a fire in Panama at one time, burned the place down, and when they rebuilt, it was the New Orleans iron workers, many of them of color, who actually rebuilt all of those, those balconies. So the connection, you know, was inescapable. If you go into that, have you been to Panama? I haven't been to Panama, but I agree. I've been to um, Antigua, Guatemala, and I've been to, I'm thinking of Cusco, Peru, where you, it's, it's so clear what the architecturally, those ties to that, right. um, that Spanish colonial period and those ties to each other, to, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh-huh. So I totally so agree with you. how would you characterize that, that Spanish aesthetic that is so strong here and in those other places in the Caribbean? I, so I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to dodge and hedge a little bit. I'm going to say that I am not the expert on this. However, we actually um, just created a video that you can find on our webpage um, with Anne Masson, who is a oh, noted yeah. historical preservationist, architectural historian. And we actually filmed her talking about Spanish colonial architecture here in the French Quarter. And so if you are interested in learning about Spanish colonial architecture and the style that she is the one to learn from. And so that's on our webpage. Uh, if you go to hnsc.org, you'll see the big banner for the Spanish South uh, Antiques Forum. You click on that and you'll find the video there. So it's hnoc.org. Mm -hmm. And specifically, again, you click on what? You'll see the banner that says the Spanish South Antiques Forum right at the top of the page, our main page. You click on that and you'll see we've embedded the YouTube video on that page. So it's right there. So what was the original inspiration for doing these um, decorative arts um, symposia? I think the original inspiration, I mean, you know, we're a museum and so we often are focusing on kind of uh, material culture. You know, as you said earlier, when you were introducing me, you know, we collect and preserve the material culture of New Orleans and the surrounding region. And so that's something that um, is very interesting to us and very interesting to the people that come to visit us about learning, um, not just about the history, but about um, how these objects were made, who made them, which is really important. Um, those kind of aesthetic um, styles that you see kind of uh, as we were talking about with the architecture. And so we founded this antiques forum to bring in scholars from around the country to talk about um, Southern decorative arts. And so this, like I said, has been going on for 14 years. We've covered a lot of different um, themes, but this year we're focusing on the Spanish South. So we're looking at Gulf South region here um, in the United States, but in also Puerto Rico. And we're also looking at Mexico, Cuba. Uh, we have one speaker who's gonna be touching on uh, Venezuela and uh, traditional dress during the Spanish period there. Um, so we're looking at kind of the larger Spanish world in this part of the, in this part of the world. But um, you, you don't actually have anything specifically on the Islenos culture here in St. Bernard, am I right? It will be. 
I, we don't have a specific talk on it. Um, I'm sure it will be touched upon at some point because you're right, it is really important part of our local um, Spanish heritage is the Islanios culture down in St. Bernard. So I, uh, by the way, after the events are over, are, uh, is there any material that is available online going forward? So the um, video that we produced, like I just mentioned with Anne Masson, will be available online. We also are going to have another um, presentation that we'll be putting on our YouTube channel with our chief curator, Jason Weiss, talking about um, maps from this era as well. So that'll be available. So if you're a oh, map aficionado, like you should yeah. definitely check it out. He's a really wonderful presenter. Um, so those two will be available after the fact for anyone to enjoy. So, uh, so actually the mask, I, I, of course that just, you know, you talk anything to do with Mardi Gras and my, your wheels start churning on that. So to what extent is this, is there a Spanish influence in our um, carnival celebrations? Is that part oh. of what's being presented? Well, I actually, I sorry, I I, uh, I said maps as a not masks, but I love that you went. I love that you. <laughs> you went to... So, uh, my my question stands: Is there yeah. any discussion about the Spanish influence on our carnival celebrations? I know right. it's primarily French, but I mean, right? You know, certainly, uh, it's it's a big part of um, a lot of uh, celebrations throughout Europe, not just France. Absolutely. Yes, I know it's a part um, of their culture. And I, I would have to do some more research, Jean. You've, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep throwing you these little uh, zingers. I don't That's okay. That. I love uh, it. Let's go back to what are some of the main topics of this particular symposium that we want to call people's attention to? And it starts tomorrow, am I right? Thursday through this Sunday? Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so the um, there are some really wonderful talks. I'm going to highlight um, Christopher Grant, uh, a local archaeologist, is going to be talk um, be talking on um, a site in the Treme um, that was the site of a plantation and the archaeological finds there and what they tell us about the people um, who lived there, who were enslaved there, um, and what life was like there. Um, we have another talk about the- Wait, before um, you move on, oh, I just have sorry. to ask you that. I live in Treme on Esplanade, so I need to know what, where that site is. I am so sorry. I did not, uh, I haven't listened to his talk yet, so I don't have the exact location. <laughs> for That's you. three for, okay, I'm going to stop asking two detailed questions. Go I'm ahead. So I'm curious to see that. That's, uh, that'll be interesting for me. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I haven't gotten a peek at his presentation yet. I just know that it's uh, his work is in Treme. Um, we have another speaker who's going to be talking about the Puerto Rican portrait artist, Jose Campeche, who is a free man of color and a very significant portrait artist in uh, in Puerto Rico in the late 18th, early 19th century. Um, Let's see, uh, we have, as I mentioned, we have a speaker who's gonna be talking about um, colonial era dress uh, in Venezuela, but also tying it to other, um, other regions um, in the new world. Uh, I'm very excited about that one because I love fashion and I love dress. So I'm very curious. Yeah, you, you got me there, you got me in fashion. But um, I have to say the thought of having to wear the pounds of clothes that women wore in those days in the heat in, in this area is just formidable. And I'm so glad I wasn't around for it. Oh, I know. It makes me very grateful for my linen that I get so wear in the summer. I, I like my, my voile in particular. I know some people pronounce that voile and some people pronounce it voile, but I love mm -hmm. the sheerest thing you can give me to wear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, so those fashion, are just a few that's examples. That's another one I'd like to go to, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So yes, we'll have talks all day Friday, all day Saturday. And then actually Anne um, Masson, who I mentioned, um, who created the short video for us, is going to be doing kind of the full version of her talk on Spanish colonial architecture in Louisiana on Sunday morning to close us out. Uh, so it should be a really uh, wonderful slate of speakers. 
um, you know, uh, that you can see the full schedule if you go to our website, like I said, hnoc.org and click on the Spanish South. It'll take you to the page. We have the full schedule, all the bios for all the speakers, and um, you can learn more about the kind of particular talks you might be interested in. The, the whole thing sounds fantastic. And, you know, the one thing that, um, I, I, is there any conversation about the culinary aspect? Because I'm kind of surprised that we don't have uh, more um, either Hispanic or Latino uh, restaurants in New Orleans. I mean, we certainly have a lot of Mexican restaurants, mm -hmm. but um, we don't, to, am I forgetting about uh, some um, uh, Latin restaurants that uh, I just don't remember many. So I wonder why not. I um I think there are some more. I think you know if you look at kind of the greater New Orleans area, um there's a, quite a few um from Mexico, but also from Central America as well. I know there's some Honduran restaurants here in the city. Yeah, Central um, American and and yeah. Mexican, but not yeah. like you know Hispanic as in European Spanish. Mm, I see. I'm not. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm not sure if we have any kind of, uh, I know there's Wait, one. Lola's, Lola's on oh, yes. um, Esplanade. How yes. could I forget? That's, that's yes. what I've been to. Because I'm yes. kind of a big fan of the um, Spanish version of jambalaya, paella. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. um, so uh, that's something I, I, I do look for. So maybe I'll have to ha go have a little something to eat at Lola's Paella, and then head over to your talks yes. at the Historic New Orleans Collection. Now, what are the hours? The hours, it's going to start at nine on Friday and Saturday and go most of the day. On Friday, we have a reception towards the end of the day. And then on uh, Saturday, it goes from nine to 3.30. And then we invite everyone to uh, do what we call the Royal Street Stroll, which is visit some of the antique shops on Royal Street. If you're into decorative arts and antiques, it's a great opportunity to go and support some of our local antique shops here in the quarter. And presumably um, put some of their Spanish things up front, yes? I hope so, yes, absolutely, <laughs> yes. Um, and then on Sunday, we have the morning session with Anne Masson, and then we end the whole weekend with brunch over at Arnold's to close it out. So right. uh, it's a fun weekend, Fantastic. yeah. Now there is a cost, so let's, let's let everybody give them a heads up. Absolutely. Um, let me pull up that. And we are actually getting a little bit close to um, being, our, being sold out, actually. Yes, exactly. Okay. So we better get so you know, our, our, uh, this show will air on Friday at midday. So I still I hope there's, there, there's usually some cancellations, I would imagine. We do have some cancellations. So if people are interested, I just definitely, if it's airing Friday at midday, I would suggest calling us. That might be the easiest way to um, see what room we still have available. Would that be 598-7171? Exactly. Yes. 504-598-7171. We'll add that to our, um, our information online too in our newsletter. Well, um, you know, I, I know I threw a, a, it was very, um, uh, I didn't give you a lot of time to prepare because um, <laughs> we kind of grabbed you, but uh, you did great. And um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, I have to be honest, because I've been always fascinated about the Spanish influence. And, and um, I've had some, uh, you know, you, you also have that whole kind of mission architecture element, which I'm sure Anne Masson will uh, touch on. That's, that's been an important influence um, here um, uh, going uh, throughout um, uh, history too. Um, Absolutely. Uh, European history here at any rate. So, and not to mention, I mean, that we have so many people, if you, if you um, I haven't actually, you know, studied the old phone books, but uh, so many of the, even the political people in the city that I know um, have Spanish surnames. So we know that mm -hmm. the, um, the influence genetically, of course, is so powerful as well. Of course. So Amanda, thank you so much for making this possible for us, these uh, events. And um, what's next year, by the way? Oh, next year. I don't think we have decided on next year yet. Okay. Yeah. So you'll have to have me back if, I will. I will <laughs> if you would like to talk about next year. Yeah. All right.
Well, great. So I hope it's fabulous. And um, of course, we have Satchmo also going on in the French Quarter. And um, of course, I'd like to tell people that while they are visiting the symposium, that they can walk across the street to 520 Royal and see Jackson Square by yes. Robert Tannen. So absolutely, uh, absolutely. Was, you know, a little promotion for the family. So yeah. and it is, it's such a beautiful exhibit that you all did. I'm, I'm just still stunned by it. When I first walked in, it was jaw dropping, literally. And I love the fact that you have all those comment pasties yes. available for people to make their comments. And I can't tell you how many people said, get Andrew Jackson out of there. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's a whole other issue. All right. Well, Amanda McPhillan, Historic New Orleans Collection, thank you so much. And I look forward to seeing you real soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Take care and good luck this weekend. Okay. Thank okay. you, Jean. Bye-bye. Fest. Oh my God, what a fabulous event again, also right here in the dead of summer um, at the Jazz Museum in the Mint. And um, pretty much most of the day on Saturday and Sunday. But um, I am going to just give you my favorites, which is really more based on what I've had exposure to as opposed to making any real uh, choices. Although everybody I'm going to give you are great. Um, so, um, starting on Saturday, at 1.30 is the Treme Brass Band, um, Germaine Basil at 3.30, Herlin Riley, drummer all-time and great musician, 6.20 p.m. These are just Jean's favorites. There's plenty more to, uh, to enjoy out there. On Sunday, you've got John Boutte at 12.20. Doreen's Jazz at 1.30. Those of you who haven't heard her on uh, Royal Street, where she got her start. The original Pinettes, they once performed for me when I was running for city council in another lifetime at 5 p.m. And Charmaine Neville, um, she's at 6.40, and I love Charmaine. She's just such a citizen also of the city. And um, we've had a lot of fun over the years doing various kinds of things. Um, she's really helped our organization, Creative Alliance, too. Um, food is endlessly great, and um, just to mention a few, 14 parishes, Boku Eats, Café Dauphine, Ditto's Did That, haven't done them yet, but I'm going to try it, Praline Connection, Chicken Livers, which I love, and um, Plum Street Snowballs, and uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, but uh, Tito's real clever and they've got some very exotic dishes so you really can't miss with all that great uh, food and music and a little bit of music in the background from my um, blue healer jazz musician so um definitely get out for satchmo also and finally don't forget at the um historic new Orleans collection uh bob tannen's jackson square is on view only through august 28th it's an absolutely spectacular, dramatic, elegant exhibition. One of the best ever done of his of his work. So um, be sure and get out to that too at the Historic New Orleans Collection during their regular hours at 520 Royal Street. So in addition to those events, as you can imagine, there's a lot of other things going on. And one thing I can't uh, help but um, remind you that at the Historic New Orleans Collection, um, Jackson Square, the art exhibit by Robert Tannen is uh, also on view. So you happen to be in the French Quarter for the symposium or for Satchmo or out and about for you know, white linen night, uh, generally speaking, on the weekend, although uh, the events at the Historic New Orleans Collection, of course, is only open during the daytime hours, 11 to 4. Um, enjoy, uh, you know, rain or shine, heat or not. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic weekend. 
This is Jean Nathan for Crosstown Conversations on WBOK, what people are talking about.